through the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew in the ninth chapter, beginning to read at verse 9. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Always a pleasure to be among you here in the Theological Institute, a place that I attended uh, on two occasions, one doing the, um, what was then the auxiliary training a long time ago, some 20 years ago, and then uh, slightly more recently than that, when I came back to transfer officially to um, what the church calls full-time ministry, although what parishes and the church term full-time ministry don't always coincide, but it is uh, a great honour to be also one of the two voluntary chaplains here as well, and the other being Reverend Dr. William Oldhausen, who I think you get to know a lot better than you know me, but um, I am always available if somebody does want to chat through anything. Um, with somebody who isn't on staff here, sometimes it's good to have a listening ear. That's a little bit more independent, so please do keep that in mind. Today, of course, is St. Matthew's Day, and it's nice to have the calling, a calling story, a vocation story, um, near the start of your academic year. Some of you near the start of this particular um, phase of your journey of vocation, so um, thank you, Matthew, for that. And we don't know a lot about Matthew, actually. Um, I mean, we know the basic things. We know he was a disciple. We know he was one of the 12 apostles. We know that as one of the 12 apostles, he was one of the witnesses to the ascension of Jesus. Um, we know he has a gospel named after him, so we call him an evangelist. And again, scholars will debate over whether Matthew, the apostle, actually wrote the gospel or just influenced it. Um, in the same way, scholars will debate whether Matthew and Levi are the same people, because the story that we've just read from Matthew's gospel tonight, of the calling of Matthew, the tax collector, and um, almost identically is told in both Mark and Luke's Gospels with the name given as Levi. And some people say they're the same person and others say they're not. And in most cases, your parishioners will not be interested whether they are or not. So <laughs> I think it is always important when we celebrate scripture, when we open it to um, a congregation of any sort, particularly for uh, in, in a parish, to actually get to the nub of what is interesting to them, what is going to affect them in their daily lives. There is a place for scholarship and academia, and this is a wonderful place for it, um, but there's also a place for rooting through some of those details that are the ones where people would switch off in the wider context and get to what it's about. So when we look at the story of Matthew's calling, we see that 
Um, Matthew was a tax collector, uh, Levi was, and a tax collector, the, the authorised version, the King James version, falls out of publican. But we would call it probably a uh, revenue collector. And in our context, if we had to choose whether we wanted to give our money to a revenue collector or a publican, well, <laughs> I know where I'd rather give my money, but you know, it's a totally different context. <laughs> but we know, and you know, I'm sure, that tax collectors then as now were not very popular people. Not only were they um, collecting money from people, and I suppose we always like the benefits that our tax gets for us as, as uh, citizens, but we don't always love paying it. But um, they were, of course, for the most part, working for the Roman authorities. So they were working for the enemy. And not only were they conspiring with the enemy to uh, take all this money from the poor people um, of, of Palestine, um, they also, of course, were um, tax collectors pretty much had a license to, to go over and beyond what they were meant to take. And they could keep, they could skim off the top. So they tried to extract or extort as much money as possible from people so that they would make um, a good uh, living for themselves. So all those things don't make them very popular. And you can see several times tax collectors and sinners are just locked in together, certainly in the expression and in the thoughts of those who would see themselves as being righteous, the religious leaders of the day. So Matthew, a tax collector, sitting at his receipt of, of custom, Jesus spots him. And unlike the religious people of the day, he didn't sort of ignore him or look down on him. He called him to follow him. And the first lesson, I suppose, um, for us is that we don't get to choose whom God calls. So all of us are here because God has called us to a particular ministry. And that's wonderful. And we thank God for that call. It's the most incredible um, privilege of our lives. But we don't get to choose who else he calls. And sometimes we will encounter people and think, God, what were you thinking? But actually, God knows, and God has a plan, and God has a call for all of us. And there would have been people, and we encounter them in today's story, who would not have seen any justification for this man to call a tax collector to his inner circle. And yet he knew, and the circle of God is always inclusive, and his call is always inclusive. And that's the first thing all of us need to remember as we go through our lives and sometimes as we meet people and, and wonder what's going on. The second thing, of course, is Matthew's reaction, that he doesn't know what's going on. He has a, a cushy number. He's, he's probably well-educated. You know, he's, he's making money. Um, he probably has a job for life. Uh, and this stranger passes by and says, follow me. And Matthew's reaction is immediate. His response is immediate. He gets up and he says, he just goes, he just, he just follows him. And that is a wonderful example. Now, probably for most of us, our call wasn't quite so clear or so quick because it certainly can take years of discernment to actually hear the call of God and discern what he is calling us to in, in our particular contexts. But we always have the example of those, not just Matthew, but others as well, who hear and out of humility, out of obedience, and out of an openness, say yes and follow straight away. So um, we commend Matthew for that. And then, of course, even though he's been called to follow Jesus, it reads very like Jesus actually follows him to his house and there's a banquet, there's a dinner party. Matthew's pretty chuffed that this person, because again, you know, he'd have been pretty much reviled and excluded by his own people. And here's one of them who has said, follow me. So he's given him a work that he didn't think he had. 
and he's sitting down and he's having dinner. But of course, enter the the religious people, the leaders of the Jews, the the Pharisees, the scribes, who are, who is in, in today's reading. Um, but they are not a bit impressed that Jesus is at this house um, with with the tax collectors and with the sinners, the Pharisees. And he says they don't even speak to Jesus; they speak to his disciples, the other disciples around him. And they say, "Why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners?" And of course, Jesus hears them and has a wonderful comeback because uh, you think they'd learn eventually not to take Jesus on in a, a war of clever words. But uh, well, he says, well, if, if you're well, you don't need a physician, do you? But, and he's implying that he has come to people who are not well or who are not whole or who are in need of something. And in the, the Jewish psyche, I guess, of the day, and we see this so much in the Old Testament and, and it's tackled in the book of Job, there's a sense that if you are healthy, if you are prosperous, if everything is going well in your life, then you are righteous and you're being rewarded by God. And conversely, if you're sick or if some calamity strikes you, then clearly you are unrighteous and you're being punished by God. So Jesus is playing with those words there when he's, he's challenging these people who clearly think they have the answer and they're the righteous ones, so they don't think they need him because they think they have the answers themselves. Whereas those who are sitting with him, whom the Pharisees see as being unclean and sinful, are the people who are actually open to being redeemed, open to being taught, open to being included for the first time. And then Jesus challenges them again using scripture. It's, it's from Hosea. And it's, um, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And Hosea used it hundreds of years earlier in the context of saying to his people, there's no point in doing all the rituals. I know I gave them to you, but they're worthless unless you are actually looking after the basics and the spirit of the law, unless you're actually looking after the widows and the orphans, unless you are being loyal and exclusive to me as your God. Otherwise, um, all those sacrifices you're doing are no good. I want you to be merciful because God is a God of mercy and compassion. So he sends them off to learn, even though they think they already have the answers. Now, one of the wonderful things that when we go through Matthew's gospel, um, and later on um, he, he tells, I think it's the leaders of the, the temple, um, that the prostitutes and the tax collectors are going into the kingdom of heaven before they are. And you can imagine how well that went down. Um, but again, these are the people, the people that are seen to be unrighteous or thought to be unrighteous, who are the ones who are open to listen. But in all Jesus converting with the enemy, in all his mixing and socializing with the outcasts, with the ones who are thought to be sinful, it's interesting in Matthew's gospel that with the exception of the encounter with the woman caught in adultery, he doesn't ever tell them to change or to stop being sinful or to do something differently. He just hangs out with them. And I think that's a wonderful lesson for ministry because the most loving thing we can do, obviously, is to try and follow the example of Jesus. He's, he's the perfect person to follow, isn't he? And, and he is the one who just spent time with his people, just being with them. He, we've no record of him necessarily teaching them or trying to change them or transform them at these dinner parties. But his very being, who he was, who he is, being with them, being inclusive, being among them, was enough to transform them and their work and their sense of self-worth 
And when you think of the likes of Zacchaeus, his whole life changed because Jesus included him and called him down um, and said, well, I'm going to have dinner at your house. And that's what clergy do. They build houses for food. So, um, you know, it's, it's a good lesson to learn early. It's, it's a great way of breaking the ice. But that sense of being with your people, and I was thinking about this reading earlier on, and I was thinking, well, am I, am I there mixing with the, the people that other people might think of as sinners and the tax collectors of our day? Because mostly within my family and within my friends and within my church, the people that I am spending my time with are really good people, really nice, decent people. Um, and then, you know, am I actually missing that I should be out sort of doing something with, with uh, drug dealers or um, people who are human traffickers or, and there were certainly those ministries there, but that's not my calling. And then I was reminded that actually, we're all sinners, every one of us. So any time we spend among our people is spending time with sinners. And do we do that in a judgmental way? I hope not. We do it in a way that says, I'm a sinner just like you. I do my best every day I get up. I try and follow the example that I find in scripture. I try and find the example that I'm given through the guiding of the Holy Spirit. I try and do my best, and when I fail, I say sorry, and I pick myself up and dust myself off and try better again. Spending time with your people is the key to relationship, and relationship, in my opinion, is the key to a fruitful ministry. Because it is only through our relationship with the people we serve that we will in turn be able to share with them the joy of our relationship with our Father in heaven and also the joy um, and to encourage them to develop their own relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's difficult. And in parishes you may get judged by the, where you spend your time. You may get judged by if you like to sit at a bar and chat to people late into the night. You may get judged if you are seen to be more friendly with some people than others. You may get judged if your church is open and inclusive and some people aren't liking that. But ultimately, we are called to be inclusive and not to be the ones who judge, but to follow the example of Jesus, who always surrounded himself by the, those who were seen as other, those who were seen as outcast or not worthy. And if the going gets tough, as long as we know we are following his example, we will be good. And so, since it is by God's mercy that we have this ministry, may you and I never lose heart in what we do. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.